Hey, it's Damian Barling reminding you to check out the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network for all of your Sacramento Kings news and notes. You can follow me on Twitter at Damian Barling, and you can follow us at Hoop Ball Kings. Don't miss a single episode of the Sacramento Kings podcast right here on the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. The following is a Hoop Ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Oh, we're starting today's podcast with a yawn and a stretch. Man, sleep regressions are real. Real bad. Whoa, man. We're knee-deep in it over here, folks. Have pity. I will accept, I will graciously accept all of your pity this is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Bespris. Um Foolishly had a second child in the middle of a pandemic and nobody's sleeping. I don't know what I'm going to say on today's show. It's going to be weird because my brain is not functioning well. Luckily, we have results to go over, which I think is good. I can kind of keep me laser focused on the task at hand. Oh, boy. Yeah, buckle up, friends. It's going to be a weird one today. Uh, Fantasy NBA Today is brought to you by Hoop Ball. It's a Hoop Ball presentation. Hoop-Ball.com is the website. At Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter. I would suggest you guys check it out because there are sort of sneaky upgrades happening. We haven't rolled them out per se, but you may notice some changes. If you're over at this site, check out some of the cool new stuff going on at Hoop Ball. Really great. Pods. You guys know I love to talk about the other pods going on at Hoop Ball. The box score breakdown is back. Dave Bracey running that joint. He's got it under control. The box score breakdown. Yes, even without box scores to break down. The show will have a little bit more personality coming back. Obviously, once there are games, there will be box scores to break down. But this is now a year-round show which is great. You guys don't have to worry about it disappearing and reappearing with the tide. Co-host on yesterday or last night's episode was the great Hank Aaron. Hammer and Hank! First episode out of the shutdown for box score breakdown. That's sweet. Hoopball Grizzlies! David and Sammy, they're back. Let's talk about Justice Winslow's injury and literally anything Grizzlies is fun. Those are the two new episodes I think that dropped last night in between episodes of this one, Fantasy NBA Today, so definitely check those bad boys out before we dive into our stuff today. want to remind everybody again, the draft board, our draft board that we've been putting together on this podcast, is available for download. And by download, I basically mean you, you go to a website, and then there's going to be a list there. But the way to get it is to go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. You just drop in your email address and it'll email you a link to my draft board, the nine-category draft we've been doing, we've been talking about for the last month or so, and Eric Ong's Points League draft board. Eric's awesome. If you don't know Eric, you should get to know him. He's at Fantasy Hoopla on Twitter. Eric Ong is a legend in this field, and we're lucky to have him at Hoopball. He put together your Points Leagues list. So again, that's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Go check that out right away. 
I got two drafts going simultaneously right now, and it's... I was unprepared for one of them. I thought it started on Friday. In fact, the, the website still says that it's supposed to start on Friday, but it's going. And so what we're going to do is today we will hopefully do basically the last pass we need on the mock draft because that one now is past the 100 mark. I you know Once you get into that area, guys get pretty clunky. We may move some names around a little bit, but let's look at some of the results from the industry mock, the one we've been working on. We finished at number 90 yesterday. I think we'll probably do about 20 more or so. Uh, Where the hell did we finish yesterday's show? I think we finished at Paul Millsap, right? Paul Millsap was the last one on yesterday's show. Uh, We'll do about another 25-ish today. That'll probably be the end of that draft breakdown. And then tomorrow, we'll start looking at another one, one where we've got uh, a few shekels on it. And we'll see if that changes anything. I'll tell you right now, as a look ahead, the draft we're going to break down starting tomorrow is... Looks like a lot of folks are using our draft board. But in any event, that's the that's the risk you take doing a draft with a bunch of people that are probably listening to your podcast. Before we dive into the mock draft results, a couple pieces of NBA news to go over. One of them is Justice Winslow, who I believe that news came out after our show yesterday, but it didn't really change anything. He wasn't on our draft board anyway. I think very lowly of his fantasy game, and I get it. Because they are very much percentages-based, the fact that he's terrible at both, that it, it drags him down, generally kind of a well-rounded other stuff fantasy stat set. In an eight-game sprint, there was a possibility he could have been good enough, but he was definitely not going to be one of the primary cogs on that team. It's not right out of the chute. And so maybe he's someone you target ultra late in next year's draft. Tough to say, though. Dude can't get on the floor. Basically missed the entire season this year. So that didn't change very much for me. Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac did not participate in Wednesday's uh, that's this morning, Wednesday's practice for the Magic. They We were told yesterday they would not be participating today. So those two guys are not quite ready to go, which I think false. we had maybe too high, honestly, on our draft board. Uh, Markel is in that in the 90s. If he's not even ready to play yet in a scrimmage. Now, admittedly, there's, you know, the NBA is, they, they're going to have these sort of whack scrimmage games coming up starting tonight. You know, he still has eight days to get going here before the actual season hits, but it certainly doesn't augur well. And then on the Jonathan Isaac front, because his stat set is so much better than Fultz's, if he gets out there, I would go his way quicker. I mean, we know the dude was was a top a second round pick before he went down earlier this year. So something to monitor for sure. I'm glad we got that information. That was useful. Patrick Beverly had to leave the bubble to attend to an emergency family matter. We saw Montrez Harrell sending him good vibes, so something not great going on in Beverly Town, and we will, too, send Pat Bev good vibes. Don't know what the story is there, but hopefully whatever it is is sorted out quickly and for the best, and hopefully he can get himself back into the bubble. But you know, based on the fact that it's the 22nd now, there's almost no chance he comes right back. So let's say best-case scenario, he's back in Orlando in, what, two, three days? Something to that effect. That's probably a best case. And then a quarantine 
he probably misses the beginning of the resumption season, at least. Does that mean Reggie Jackson now gets onto our bid bo- big board? Uh, probably not. I think you're you're considering taking him, maybe picking him up off the wire if your league is allowing that. If you got really to the very last pick, because some of these guys really stink in the 120s and 130s here. There's just there's sort of not enough meat on the bone, as Brew likes to say, with Reggie Jackson. If he's now behind, he's still. I mean, not that this is changing anything. Not he, he's still, I should say, behind Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. If Montrez Harrell comes back, he's behind him. I guess there's a little window there if if Montrez and Beverly are both out that maybe you could see Reggie Jackson get into that you know, 115, 120 range because stats are inflated here during the resumption season. Rankings, I should say, are inflated. Stats are not. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you could flip him in there, take him instead of someone like, I don't know, Aaron Holiday or Kelly Olynyk or something like that, just, just on the idea that he might have a few games where he plays more minutes. Problem is, I don't know if I'm trusting him, right? Like, this is another uh, another situation you have to rectify in your mind. If Patrick Beverly is out, if they say, oh, Pat Bev, not back, Montrez Harrell, not back for the first game of the actual resumption, where you got to make a decision, are you going to use up a Roto Games cap on Pat on uh, Reggie Jackson? I think I'd probably want to see him play one game first to find out what the Clippers' rotations are going to look like. They might just go point guardless for stretches. So um, there's no guarantee that he gets 25 minutes in that scenario, but if they play that game and he gets 26, 27 minutes and he posts what would have been, you know, top 125, 130 type of numbers during the regular season and those correspond to about top 100 now, then yeah, I would play him in the second game because you're going to ultimately need to use a couple of top 100 type of lines to fill out your Roto Games cap. I just wouldn't trust it right out of the shoot because what if he only plays 15 minutes? What if he only plays 20 minutes? What if he plays 25, but he only takes six shots? I would want to see how he's doing, and you may use up your opportunity by that point. Beverly might be back by the next game, or Montrez by the next game. You may end up getting, what, one, two? Not even useful, but usable games out of Reggie Jackson. So, I, you know, not exactly making a, a flying leap towards him, but yes, he probably does move ahead of the last the very last couple of names on our list. All right, that's about it's about as far as that can go on that one. Um so now I think we can probably dive into uh, some of the the mock draft results. I didn't I don't remember there being any other large scale NBA news shaking out. Baseball news. Sounds like the Dodgers and Mookie Betts might be getting a deal going. Also baseball starts tomorrow, guys. I know this is a basketball podcast. I know. I know that half of you guys are saying, Dan, enough about baseball. But look, I worked in baseball for 10 years. So the fact that we're going to get something here, and it's a week before basketball, they they jumped them. Baseball was like, we can start faster than you. Of course they can. Everybody except pitchers. Nobody else in baseball, they just need to stretch. They might not be good. <laughs> they haven't practiced a bunch. But these guys can run and jump. not like the NBA. These guys are getting clobbered on every play. So many quick changes of direction. The NBA guys aren't ramped up. They're going to get hurt. Baseball guy's not going to ramp up. He might get hurt, but probably he's just going to be terrible. He's probably just going to suck. 
So anyway, we'll see how that goes, but uh, fun stuff on that front. By the way, Hoopball and this podcast in particular, Fantasy NBA Today, are brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. Coupon code is HOOPBALL20. Use it. Please use it. Please use it. Get yourself a lawnmower 3.0 or boxers or powders or oils. They're all over at Manscaped.com. We need your help. Say it again. We need your help on this one. Get a cool product. Get it from a good company and help us solidify a partner for the long term. We'll be forever grateful. And feel free to let me know if you do it. I'll be I'll I'll shoot you some love on Twitter if you want. At Dan Vespers. You guys know the drill. Let's break down the rest of this industry mock. Again, we'll we'll get as far as about uh, 110 or so, 115, and that's I think as far as you really need to go because beyond that, you're going to be probably rotating that guy on and off your team based on who's resting on a given night. You're going to be trying to look for some plug-in guy that can go for top 75 type of numbers. So we finished off with Paul Millsap on yesterday's podcast at number 90. So 91 was Joe Harris, who again seems like he's ready to step into, uh, or has to, I don't know if he's ready to do it, but he's going to have to step into a big role because everybody's out. That said, his fantasy game is not super robust. We had him at 93 on our big board, and this is pretty damn close to where we had him. Duncan Robinson Light, someone that can knock down some threes without completely obliterating your field goal percent. But he's going to have to play some. There's just there's no one left on that Brooklyn team. Just to remind everybody of what the, the Brooklyn Nets are dealing with here, they are down Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tarian Prince, Wilson Chandler, and Nick Claxton. I don't even know what the deal is with Tyler Johnson. I think he's going to be there, so maybe he'll get a little bit of playing time. But, boy, you figure Joe Harris, who took only 11 shots during the regular season, that has to go up to 12, 13, or maybe even 14. Minutes are fine. Those won't change all that much. Just opportunity. Now, Dinwiddie was taking 16 shots a game. Kyrie, 21. Torian Prince, 11 and a half. Those are the, those are the big difference makers. I mean, you're, you're talking about 35-ish, 40 shots, at least from the big guys. And then you add in some of those little names as well. Wilson Chandler, five. DeAndre Jordan, five. Not even going to count Nick Claxton. That's a ton of opportunity. And Karis LeVert, who was already taking 16 shots a game, even if he took 30, that still leaves about another 25 that need to go to someone. Joe Harris, I think he'll take a few of them. Garrett Temple will probably take a few as well. So I'm good with this one. I got no problem with this. Maybe, uh, you know, there, there aren't that many names to follow here that have more potential uh, upside. Eh, a couple. There's a few, but I'm not going to kill this pick. This is totally fine. It's safe. This is the safe pick in this spot if you've maybe taken some risks earlier. Josh Hart went at 92 I'm a little bit less bullish on Hart than some. He's a very good rebounding guard. But at the same time, when the Pelicans were healthy, his job was not as large. And he sort of rotated through being useful in those spots. Right at the very end of the regular season, final three weeks, Josh Hart was only playing 23 and a half minutes a game and averaged seven points and seven rebounds. He was outside the top 200. When someone goes down, we've been down this road many times. When someone goes down on that team, his minutes trend up quickly because there's really a main group of guys 
Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Derek Favors, Zion, of course, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart. That's your core. There's the peripheral guys like Nicola Melli, Jackson Hayes, Kenny Hustle, Etwan Moore, Nick Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson. I don't care about those main guys. But the main guys, the main seven, Ingram, Holiday Ball, Favors, Hart, Redick, Williamson. That main seven are all in the mid-20s or higher in their minutes. When one guy goes down, the minutes go straight to the dudes who were getting the fewest, basically. Which was J.J. Redick and Josh Hart. And Favors for a bit as well, but, you know, health plays a role there, and, and Zion at center, and it doesn't quite work the same way. If Brandon Ingram was out, you'd see more shots for everybody, but you'd see significantly more minutes for J.J. Redick and Josh Hart. If two guys are out... Those two dudes both become fantasy relevant. When only one guy's out, they kind of alternate Hart slightly more often than Redick. But when they're all healthy, which by all accounts, except for Zion, they are right now, and we don't know what's going on with him and and personal stuff, maybe you see Josh Hart get some action here if Zion's not back on time. But to me, he's got too much plotter written on him. At least to go here when there are still some guys left that are set to play more like 30 minutes a game. Who, you ask, Dan, who? I feel like I'm doing the beginning of a kid's book. Well, they're coming up here, so don't worry. Next pick at 93 was Rudy Gay, who, yeah, I mean, by all accounts, there's room for him to do more. The question there, and, you know, maybe we should get him onto our draft board somewhere as opposed to completely non-existent. I just, as a veteran on a team that's about to get eliminated, I don't see the real purpose for him to rev up in minutes. You might get a couple of games where he does enough, but they're definitely not going to overextend him. He, of course, is one of the best case recoveries from Achilles stuff. So, I mean, to me, and I know that's a, a few years removed now, so it's probably not really factoring into the equation, but this is a seriously old dude on a team that's about to get wiped out where there are young guys that could step in and do it. So I, I just don't see Rudy Gay playing that many minutes. If if it happens a couple of games, magic, but yeah, I, this, I, I can't imagine them running him ragged the way that he would need to be run ragged to have value in this format. He's going to need 25, 26, 27 minutes a game because he's he's sort of turned into a he's gone old man game. Good percentages, doesn't screw too many things up, doesn't pile up stats cuz his usage has dropped. Still has some game. Yeah, sheesh. I had the next pick at 94. I went Marcus Soul because I you know, I Maybe I'm maybe I'm overestimating him a little bit. The Marcus Sol had had this these moments this year. You guys remember them. I know you do if you've been listening to this pod the whole way through. First of all, he finished the regular season at 109 despite getting off to a truly awful start. Because after that, and and we can do like a past games thing with Gasol where you look at you know anything besides the first 10 or something like that. Uh, he was top 80 
over his last 25 games. And those were spaced out over quite some time because of injury concerns. But over those 25 games, Mark averaged eight, six, and four with a steal, a block, one and a half, three pointers on 27 minutes a game. When he was fully healthy, Toronto had him up around 30. They love to play their guys a whole bunch of minutes. I'm, I, I think 26, 27, 28, somewhere in that range is probably uh, reasonable, expected. That pushes Serge Ibaka down to 20, probably 20 to 22, somewhere in that range, maybe one or two more than that. But Gasol was just starting to come around. And it's not like he needs to shoot the lights out. They just like having him on the floor. He's going to fall into a block in 27 minutes a game. And so I feel like he actually does have some top 90, top 80 type of potential during the regular season, which translates to, you know, top 60, 65, 70 when you wipe out 27% of the other teams. I mean, this is the key with Gasol. The, the beginning of his year was awful, you know, but if you do this sort of past games routine where you take all of the games, which I think he played in, what, 36, 37, something like that, then he was outside the top 100. But if you eliminate the first six games of the year, then he was actually t- number 93. You know, it, it's, it's a funny little exercise, but it tells you a lot about what the first couple games of the season meant to his value. He just couldn't hit a shot for the first three or four weeks of the year. He was 115, and then you pull out six games, and he was number 93. Then you pull out another five games, and he was number 80. Right, So this is, this is the exercise here. He just sort of kept getting slowly better and then coasted along at around the top 80 mark, got hurt, came back, worked himself back into shape, was actually scoring a little bit more, and then got hurt again. Yeah, maybe he gets hurt again here. Maybe they go somewhat light, but he's their starting center. Boggled my mind a little bit that he was still out there, a starting center on the board at 96 in this draft when some of these other guys that are... Giant question marks are already starting to come off the board. Things do turn a little bit here shortly. Dante DiVincenzo went at 95. Yeah, sorry, I got my numbers flip-flopped here. Dante DiVincenzo went at 95. I have no problem with that. He's going to do just enough to be useful probably every game where the Bucks are healthy, and then he's going to do a little more than that anytime they rotate through someone resting. And we may not even have Eric Bledsoe when this resumption season starts. We don't know yet. So Dante might be good right out of the shoot, and in a worst-case scenario where the Bucks are healthy, they'll clinch it in two games, and then they'll start resting guys. Giannis will get a day off, and then Middleton will get a day off, and then Lopez will get a day off, and every time that happens, DiVincenzo just gets to do a little bit more. So I like this pick. You guys know I like this pick. He was relatively high on our board. He was sort of, what did we call him, like king of the plotters? We had him at 90, and so to get him a couple slots later than that, yeah, that's gravy. I like it. And the final pick of the eighth round of this draft with Nerland's Noel, surprising, actually, that he fell that far, considering he was quite good during the regular season. I mean, this, you know, I, I get it. There are some caveats to this. Noel was number 73 in 18 and a half minutes a game, his minutes trended up when Steven Jackson, or Steven Adams, excuse me, Steven, Steven Adams was dealing with his nagging injuries or missing a couple of games, and so that sort of artificially boosted Nerlens for the entire season, but he was still a top 100 guy in his traditional role 
behind even a healthy Steven Adams, you knock out 27% of teams. I mean, that puts him in the 70s here for the resumption. And here he is going at the end of the eighth round at pick 96. I like it. I strongly considered grabbing him over Marcus Gasol, but at a certain point, you just kind of have to take the starter. He was one of, I think, probably two other guys that I was staring down at this point, and I ended up getting them both, although the other one is... That makes me a little bit nervous, but we'll get there in a second. Shake Milton was the first pick of the ninth round at 97. I get it. I know that there's some love for Shake, and he had a really nice stretch when Embiid and Ben Simmons and Josh Richardson, I think, were all out on Philly. So whatever the hell that is. We can, well, we'll look it up while we're talking right now. How many shots combined was that on the shelf? Embiid 16, Simmons 11, Richardson 12, 39. Yeah, so 39 of Philly's shots, which is almost half, it was available. And Milton was really good. He was trucking. But when this team is healthy, even as the starting point guard, he's not going to be able to do that much. Ben Simmons is going to be getting most of the assists. And Milton is going to be sort of plodding along, which is fine. I mean, we're getting to that part of this fantasy draft. So, I, you know, it's not like I can knock somebody for taking a chance at 97. The rest of the guys on the board here are also a little bit iffy for varying and, you know, what have you type of reasons. Uh, but I, I I do think that the starting nod here is not that big of a deal. He's just fourth, fifth, sixth option type of guy on a team where the options ahead of him are much more locked in. P.S. A, uh, a tweet went out yesterday from someone covering the Sixers in the bubble that Al Horford and Joel Embiid have not played a single minute together during practice or scrimmages, which means Big Al is in big trouble. Pick 98 was Seth Curry. I like that one. like that one quite a bit, actually. Uh, I like Seth Curry. We have him at 96, so this is about where we wanted him to go. He was playing really well prior to the shutdown, and if he jumps back into that role, he beats this mark. He is one of my favorite of this plodding group. Not my top favorite because the Mavs do have a lot of depth on the wing and that may creep in and they do go a little bit of a hot hand thing every once in a while. But in terms of, again, someone that can get you scoring and threes and some steals without hurting your percentages, either of them, those guys have a weird built-in value, especially in Roto Leagues. The issue, of course, with an eight-game sprint, as is always, these percentages can flop around a little bit. I will point out, too, we're getting right to the very end here. Next handful of picks of guys that actually will have some fantasy value, almost for sure. And then you're getting into the the, the squishy bunch, which I guess, I mean, maybe we say there's about 100 guys worth using. I had the next pick at 99, right? And I went Dennis Schroeder, which is very much a, a roll of the dice, but I, I think I'd gone relatively safe to this point in the draft with Anthony Davis, Kyle Lowry, Rob Covington, Tobias Harris, Darren Fox, Evan Fournier, Joe Ingles, Marcus Soul. There weren't a ton of risks taken there. In fact, Anthony Davis might be the biggest risk of all, but I do think he plays in six of the eight games, and if he gets a halfer out of it, then, then it ends up being a good selection. The rest of these guys probably play in... Seven out of eight. Covington may be all eight. Tobias Harris may be all eight. De'Aaron Fox, maybe. Fournier, maybe all eight. Ingles, maybe. 
And so then with Schroeder, this is the ultimate roll of the dice for me. But I figured I'd pick 100. This is an upside. This is an upside gamble. Schroeder, obviously, is way better than the 99th pick in this, in this resumption setting. After a slow start this year, he was coasting. For the year, he was at 113. But for the last two months, Schroeder was inside the top 80. And to me, there's almost no reason why that wouldn't continue here. Because, I mean, the personnel hasn't changed at all. At all. This team's been mostly healthy all year, so we know exactly what everybody's doing now that they've settled into their respective roles. But, and this is the big but, Schroeder's expecting a child and will, he's already said, leave the bubble for the birth of his child. As he most likely should. That could come after zero games, four games, six games, all eight games, somewhere in the playoffs. We don't know. Only the baby knows when the baby is about to eject itself. The So that's the downside. We could get to July 30th, and we could be getting ready to slot Schroeder in here in our, in our 10th position, and we could find out that he's just gone for the whole resumption season. But guess what? Who cares because it was pick 100? And the other guys that were floating around at this point that I could have taken that maybe would have been a bit more safe, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jay Crowder, P.J. Tucker, O.G. Ananobi was the one I was seriously considering if I didn't go Schroeder here. But that's really it. How excited are you to have Tim Hardaway Jr., Jay Crowder, O.G., or P.J. Tucker? Not that excited. Ananobi probably gets the juices flowing about as well as any of those guys. But, you know, we know that there's going to be a little bit of a hit there with the team healthy. I'm surprised. Honestly, I'm really surprised he fell that far. And I think if my team was less was less already built around defense, I probably would have gone that way. But I'm looking I was looking at some of my later picks and even some of my early ones, like Covington in the third, not a big time scorer. Ingles, not much of a scorer. Gasol, not a scorer. I, I felt like there was a lack of scoring punch on my team. A D. Lowry, Tobias Harris, those guys are probably gonna put up a few points. De'Aaron Fox, maybe. Fournier, kinda. So I thought, all right, I'll go Schroeder, try to get some points out of it. OG was going to be lower scoring, but, you know, better peripheral stuff. And uh, that was my decision there. But in terms of potential upside, those are the two guys at this point. So I went Schroeder, and I'm going to hope that he actually gets into a few of these games before he has to go. We shall see. Nemanja Bialica was pick 100. The voodoo doll continues to work perfectly. No Harrison Barnes. And no Marvin Bagley right now for the Kings. They just, I know, Rashawn Holmes is still there. He moves up the board considerably with the Bagley news. And, uh, you know, we'll wait and, and, and get more information on some of this stuff before making uh, colossal decisions. But Bagley's not going to play in the restart at all. That's already been confirmed. Rashawn Holmes... That moves him into the catbird seat, so he goes way farther forward, and we'll talk about that uh, when we look at our other draft. And then uh, Bielitsa, he he sort of slots back into his role from before. The voodoo doll has continued to work. So while we had him, Not super high on our big board. I'm trying to figure out where we had him. I think we had him at 115. Yeah, 114. He moves up 
The Marvin Bagley news is a big deal. Bagley got it 58, and you can just yank him out of the big board now. So Bagley's gone. Rashawn Holmes was at 55. He probably rockets up into the top 30 range. And uh, Bielitsa now easily inside the top 100. And you probably slot him in ahead of, I don't know, six or seven other guys. So this is a nice pick. I presume this did happen after the Bagley news came out, but I, I truly can't remember. This was a, a very slow draft, and each round is taking about a day. So, I don't know. Michael Porter Jr. was the next man off the board. I thought there was something that got flipped around, and he was supposed to get slotted in earlier where someone made a mistake. But this, uh, I, I think I've just, my lack of sleep is catching up with me. I don't think he's going to do much. You know, Denver might have a game where they rest their starters and you maybe get a big game out of them there, but they're just too deep when they're healthy. And Gary Harris did arrive, so he's good to go now. They're just, there just isn't much of, a, of an avenue. Alex Caruso at 102. Nah, I love him, man. Everybody loves Caruso. He's amazing. He's this bald dude that's flying through the air, and that's hilarious. But his fantasy game is not that great. It's not... It's not. He's going to get to play. Defensively, he's very active, but it's not going to translate to a ton of steals and blocks. He's, he's going to be doing a lot of his work on the ball, and so there's just there's not a whole lot of gambling you can do at that point. He's not going to get many shots. He doesn't rebound or assist at all. So, no, no. There's, there's more. His impact on the court is much larger than his impact on the box score. I would have rather had a few of these guys coming up. I get it. You take a swing, but... Nah, 103, Tim Hardaway, uh, yes, 103, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, I'm good with this one, actually, for most of the season, after the Mavs kind of figured out what they wanted to do with their pieces, uh, Hardaway was inside the top 100, he was number 88 over the last 25 games on 18.5 points, 3.5 boards, mostly doing it with three-pointers and good free-throw percent and uh, some decent scoring, and that's fine, I mean, that he beats his ADP here, easily, if he replicates something even close to that. We had him at 93, so someone got a round of value. Jay Crowder went at 104, and I'm fine with that one as well. He played remarkably well with the Heat after getting traded. Uh, it was pointed out to me by the great Mike Passador that his three-point percentage was so much higher with Miami than it was with Memphis, and there's probably going to be a settling somewhere in between those two. At the same time, it's only eight games, so percentages are very hard to figure out. He could shoot the lights out. He could be truly awful. But it does seem like they're going to give him time. It seems like he's been more willing to gamble on defense on Miami for whatever reason. And so if the steals stick, even if the three-point percentage comes down, I think he does enough here at 104. Is that what I said we were at? Doesn't matter. To, uh, one, yeah, 104. I think he does enough to, to get to that mark or potentially beat it. And he's one of the last... I think, guarantees of actually getting out there and being fantasy close to useful. Next guy off the board is Carmelo Anthony. I mean, meh. Not great nine-cat game. Lou Williams, who needs Paul George or Kawhi Leonard to be out for him to be fantasy effective. P.J. Tucker, who's going who's gonna to plot along, and he'll probably post numbers around the top 100 in the resumption, which is fine, but not exciting. And then OG Ananobi, who at 108 here is probably the best pick of the last 15 or 20. People have completely given up on this dude, and 
That's it. It's crazy. Like, I get it. Toronto had guys out pretty much the entire season. There were very few games where the Raptors were 100% healthy. But look, Ananobi played in 63 games, averaged 11-5, 2.1 combined defensive stats, shot 51% from the field. He was number 72 during the regular season. You know, we'll do the math here. 27% of 72 is 19, which would put him at 53 if he replicated that during the resumption. So even if he doesn't come close to replicating that, this dude got picked at 108. That'd be a four-and-a-half-round drop-off. I love that pick. I would love to have had him. But I knew if I took Schroeder that OG wasn't coming back. Let's do like five or six more here, and then we'll we'll wrap up this mock draft analysis. Kendrick Nunn went at 109. That's fine. I mean, he's just going to take some shots. If somebody sits out a few games for Miami, maybe he's okay, but I probably am not starting him. Ish Smith went at 110. That's worth a flyer. I have him at 108 on our big board, and there is an opportunity in Washington with everybody out. Maybe they just go crazy small. Uh, Ish Smith, his fantasy game is not very good. But there is legitimately so much available in Washington that maybe he just sort of overwhelms that, his bad fantasy game with extra extra shots, passes, whatever. Gary Harris at 111. That's fine. I mean, plotting type. Maybe he catches fire for a couple of games. I don't like the fact that he's arriving late, though. Jonathan Isaac at 112 might as well at this point if we get good news on him. And because we don't know if he's playing yet, to snag him here towards the end of a draft where the other guys have almost no upside, I'm all about it. Might as freaking well. Because if he plays, even if he only plays 20, 24 minutes, he's still a top 75 or better kind of guy. And if he doesn't play, who gives a crap? You passed up on Mo Wagner for him. Who, by the way, was the next pick, Mo Wagner. Maybe he does some stuff. We've talked about this before. I don't think they're going to run Thomas Bryant into the ground with him coming back from COVID and injuries, it's been a, a rough year on a team that legitimately isn't really trying to make the playoffs at this point. But, you know, yeah, maybe it maybe it hits. And then Justin Holiday is the last pick we're going to talk about on today's podcast because, honestly, at this point, who cares who's left on the board? Everybody's basically gone. Holiday I liked a lot before we found out Oladipo was uh, coming back and Brogdon coming back, and so Holiday slots back in more towards the edge of the top 100 or 110. The only couple of names on this board that are probably still worth paying attention to, maybe there's like 10-ish players left that I think should end up on a fantasy team. Uh, you probably see Jordan Clarkson end up on a team as the bench pop in Utah. It's not a good fantasy game, but it's alive. You might see Reggie Jackson, who we talked about earlier in the show, George Hill in Milwaukee, who somehow with percentages has been able to hold on near the top 100 during the regular season. Danny Green, KCP, DeLon Wright. Um, Dwight Howard, if you think about the, and or JaVale McGee, about a potential fill-in spot. Daniel House. Um, I don't think J.J. Redick. Yeah, Redick isn't off the board. If you, you know, if Hart, who went 25 picks earlier, you know, same kind of thing. If people sit, Redick maybe has an opportunity, and then Kent Bazemore. I guess maybe that, what did I say? 10, 12 guys left. Why would I do that? I'm telling you the guys that I'm watching now. I don't even know which one of those dudes I would want the most at this point, because you've got all these weird things kicking around. Um, 
you know, who's going to even play the most minutes out of that group? Probably KCP. I don't know. In any event, that puts a lid on mock draft results. Tomorrow we'll start breaking down a real draft, although it sounds like this mock might be turning into a real league. But the real league has a whopping $10 a piece on it. Yep, that's right. Uh, we are really rolling in it. <laughs> it's so weird, though. Nobody wanted to put a bunch of money on it. I don't blame them. Things are going to get a little silly. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was, I think, Wednesday. Doesn't matter. One day away from baseball, eight days away from the NBA. I am Dan Vespers, and you've been listening to Fantasy NBA Today, presented by Manscaped and Manscaped.com. Please go get something. We'll love you forever. Enjoy the rest of your day. Keep your eye on the news. We'll see if anything shakes out. If not, we'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.